sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Let's cock-a-doodle do it. This is the early line giving you the edge here on Sports Grid. I'm Dane Martinez, and as always, I got my main man, Kevin Walsh, burning the candle at both ends, trying to give you all the information you need to make it a profitable day. And we'll try to put the fun and functional sports content at the same time. And, Kev, Week 10 finished last night in Chicago where the Minnesota Vikings went in there. And to be quite honest, you and I probably could have moved the ball enough to be better than that Bears offense. The Bears defense held them in. I mean, it could have been much worse, right? Kyle Rudolph with a fumble, an interception by Khalil Mack when the Vikings were moving the ball. It could have looked a lot worse if Cordero Patterson did not return the second half kickoff for a touchdown. When I put together those turnovers I just mentioned that Minnesota gave Chicago and the special teams touchdown that they got, I'll even put the next biggest play from the Chicago Bears was a damn punt return that got them into Minnesota. Minnesota Vikings territory. They still couldn't do anything with that. And then keeping with this narrative, Kev, the next biggest play by the Chicago Bears was a garbage time pass thrown by Bray because he had to be in for the last minute because Nick Foles suffered what looked to be a fairly serious injury at the end. All of this, Kev, if you haven't figured it out just yet, is because I can't say anything positive about the Bears' offense. They looked like an absolute dumpster fire. The final score of this game was 1913 and Kev it wasn't really even that close so aside from the money lost I actually love games like this because I and you know this I mean it was a week of me waiting for this game to play out to you see are. what actually happened and what happened with that Bears offense and we obviously had a long pre-show conversation about this to me is about as stunning as anything I could have imagined I know that they're not good. I I didn't realize that they were the worst offense in all of football with a wide margin. Because that's what they had. That's the performance that they put forward. They generated one first down in the second half before the Bray pass. I do not acknowledge that. <laughs> Nick Foles actually threw for less yards in the second half than Tyler Bray. Oh, my gosh. Like, if you would have told me that the Vikings were going to only score 19 points and the Bears would return a kickoff to the house, I mean, we're talking about tripling to quadrupling unit sizes on the Bears getting three and a half. How how much do I actually need, then, from you to cover this number? Apparently not enough. Apparently not enough. And if you're the Bears... Matt Nagy relinquishes play calling duties. Listen, I absolutely will not rule out him letting this fall apart. I won't. He sees the writing on the wall. <laughs> I missed where was Matt? I could have used Matt Nagy's play calls. None of this was working. Just absolutely none of it was working. And you leave this game now. We've talked a lot about the Bears on this show. You have your underwin total. Yeah. All I'm here to say. Couldn't be more live. A four-game streak that I think even you as the low man would have said, yeah, they, they get one, right? They get one. None? Zero? Goodness me. 
Five and five now, heading to the bye. They are five and five, and I need a five and five team to remain 500 or below as we welcome in our radio audience. I think part of this, and then to be quite honest, we should probably spend more time talking about the Minnesota Vikings because even though they are lower in the playoff picture, they may have a better like probability of making it. We'll look at their schedule and stuff. I think the Vikings' schedule is you know kind of uh, doable, shall we say, moving forward. But Kev, I think a lot of this depends on how you viewed their five and one start. Right. Like a guy like me who was trying to fade them from the very beginning, you know, was Mm -hmm. not necessarily believing in some of the things we saw at the beginning. Right. And so now this maybe comes as less of a surprise because I was waiting for this kind of crash and burn on some level for a while. People, not you, people who started to believe in the five and one would, by definition, I think, be more surprised or more shocked that it was this bad. But, you know, the Bears now have lost a ton and they have an interesting stretch moving forward. But moreover, the product they put out on the field, I don't know how that is going to get it done, Kev. We're going to see later on in the show that entering this game the bears were 30th in the nfl in terms of points per game behind only the jets and the giants right and it's gone even worse right and so this team is now going to you know this was the team that was third worst now without their running game even though i think david montgomery is poo and now we don't know who's going to be playing quarterback for them right (laughs) so this could be yes one of the worst offenses in football but let's talk about the vikings kev let's talk about the vikings because they now even without dalvin cook cracking the century matt mark in his 30 carries akeem hicks was there kirk cousins gets a win on monday night football the wide receiving core looks decent they did enough no, look, uh, this team was really, really pumped up for Cousins. I love when when teams go off script. I mean, Dane, they come out of the mm. two-minute warning on second and ten. I mean, you'd have bet your life that they would have run the right. football. And they go play action. Kyle Rudolph just wide open, yeah. nets him 20 yards. I couldn't believe my eyes. Who told Mike Zimmer what year it was? And that's the type of thing that encapsulate a a group that is feeling themselves right now. We'll probably hit a little bit on the other side, but those next three, oh my. All right, so maybe the arrows are pointing in different directions for these teams. We'll see what that means in the context of the NFC when we come back here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line. Dane and Kev putting the fun and functional sports content. Kev, I know that you always look ahead and look at schedules, right? And I know you say, oh, what about this next three-game stretch and things like that? I heard on the telecast that the Minnesota three-game stretch is not hard, okay? Correct me if I'm wrong, but it involves things like, you know, playing the Jaguars and other bottom feeders. And this is a team that, you know, is now has won three in a row, right? They're to four and five and 
if they start feeling themselves, you know, Justin Jefferson throwing a little swag out there, right? Dalvin Cook now healthy. And remember, they, you know, they had a little bottom out when they didn't have Dalvin Cook. Talk to me about, you know, your belief in this four and five team that with context we can make excuses for, just like another four and five team in the AFC, that with context you can see a path to. So go ahead, make the case for the Minnesota Vikings. And, and let me just say, I actually want to like this Vikings team because the Justin Jefferson touchdown dance is yeah, easily my favorite yeah. thing. Like, everybody should be copying it. I, I remember the first time I saw it, I went, oh, my God, the Vikings are going to win the Super Bowl. I don't know how to contain myself. <laughs> but now that they won three in a row, this is a real conversation here. Their next three, and I it, it, it shows because nobody likes to do this probably as much as I do. It's just start, oh, all right, so what's their next eight? But it's so bad that people are taking my gimmick. Dane, if if you picked yeah. the next three games, they'd be like, ah, listen, that's unfair. Pick a harder game. Home versus right. Dallas, home versus Carolina, home versus Jacksonville. Excuse nice. me? Excuse okay. me? It's actually, and I this might, I don't know if this will land for you. If I'm the Vikings, I'd actually rather, because they have a relatively uh, they have certainly a more difficult final four. I'd <laughs> rather pull. <laughs> yeah, I'd rather pull one of those in. Let's get a loss because now you. this team's going to have to win six in a row. Are they touchdown favorites in all of those games? I think they are. Probably. You got to let me know if Teddy Bridgewater is playing or not, but probably. Um, but even so, Kev, even so, let's say that happens, right? And they're yeah. standing at seven and five as we have our trip to fame and are falling asleep and are awarding the Heisman or whatever has it happening right around then, right? Mm-hmm. That gets them to seven wins. I look at the middle column of our NFC playoff picture with the other wild cards, right? Yeah. And Tampa Bay's already at seven, right? The Rams and Seahawks are already at six, and we believe they are quality teams that go on a roll. Ironically, next week, Monday night football, only the Bucks or the Rams will win because that's a big-time matchup. So I wow. get it. They can be kind of getting going, getting hot, but there's still this two- to three-game deficit for them to make up, right? So not only would they have to get hot, but someone in front of them or maybe multiple teams in front of them, you know what? I'm giving them the Bears, right? Who's going to get cold? In that middle, in that middle column, right? Because we say it all the time, right? Kev, like even when we're picking an all-star team, you could want to put someone in, but you got to take someone out. So yes. if you start yes. to believe in this Minnesota squad, right? Tell me who are they potentially leapfrogging in the next month? Is it Tampa, who with Brady, who just bounced back? Do you think this yeah. Russell Wilson turnover issue is so bad that they are the sacrificial lamb? <laughs> is it Goff and the Rams is yeah. it Drew Brees and this you know the Saints without Brees like if you want to put one in or make us consider it tell me the candidate to take out Kev so let's just take spreads out of it I'm not going to hold you to this we're ways out sure but do you have the Bucks beating the Rams in Tampa Bay on Monday Night Football uh oh, yeah. yes okay I do as well and then Seattle or Arizona yeah Seattle, Arizona, Thursday night. Seattle in the rematch at home, I would think. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to hold you to it. I'm not going to hold you to it. It's just it's just for this. Nah, this give, other me Arizona. Just, give me Arizona. Okay. Dane's feeling frisky. Cool. So here's the reality. I assume we'd like to think the Vikings will beat the Cowboys. 
Things can change. Eight. Yes. Okay. I'll give you the next so, three for the Vikings. No, I'll no. give you seven and five for the Vikings. No, no. But, but let's not even let's not even move too far. If okay. those three results hold true, they're a game back of two yeah. teams in the playoffs. Yeah. So I agree with you. Okay, to get in, people got to go out. It's why the Patriots thing, it does upset me because I can do a lot of work to get them to a certain spot, but a bunch of other teams just are not losing football games, and it's probably going to end up not amounting to anything. The Vikings being able to jump the seven teams that are in the postseason right now, it feels like a lot of legwork. It feels a lot easier if next week this team is one game back of two playoff spots, which, by the yeah. way, as long as the Rams lose to the Bucks, that's the case because Arizona and Seattle are both 6-3, and three, and they obviously have to do the job against Dallas. Sure, no, that makes sense, and it makes me think, especially the way that graphic is organized with Seattle now as the bottom wildcard team, imagine if Minnesota just got the job done in Seattle on a Sunday night football a few weeks ago. Mal, how tight that would be. We've referenced the AFC. Now that the week is done, let's look at the AFC playoff picture, right? And in the AFC, listen, we've got all those six and three teams, right, Kev? You know, there's the Colts and the Titans. There's the Browns and the Raiders and the Dolphins even, Um so talk to me again. We don't have to go down the Patriots road. The Patriots are not on no. the graphic. They are two games back. And I think you make a good point, right? Could they maybe win some games? You have them at nine and seven. I think it's going to be more like seven and nine at best. Mm -hmm. But regardless, yeah. the amount of teams they would have to be two games better than with seven left to play, right, yep. is a lot. So let's put them aside for now. As I've mentioned, right, I'm not going to take them seriously unless they hop Miami for second place in the division, okay? When that mm -hmm. happens, we can talk. But now, look at this. Cleveland, Tennessee, Vegas, Miami, Baltimore. It feels to me, Kev, that – and tell me if you agree – that Tennessee and Baltimore are the teams that are trusted, um, that the public would expect mm -hmm. to be there. Right. And then you got Miami. People think they're doing it with smoke and mirrors. You're like, they keep on blocking punts. You know, the Raiders. Do we really believe in this John Gruden led team? I don't know. The Browns, who I actually do believe in, you know that from the beginning of the season with this yeah. run game and maybe a developing defense. But make sense of all these six win teams in the AFC. Who you like? So, and I will just make this point, because you made this point, okay? Clearly, I know where our graphics guy Steve stands on the Patriots debate. Just stick the <laughs> Lions on the NFC graphic, but not hey, give me the Patriots on the AFC graphic. That is ridiculous. Ridiculous. <laughs> but, okay. here's And here's the thing, as far as the Pats go. Like, you can get some results, but there's a there's 17, 6, and 3 teams. So we will remove them from this conversation for the moment. As far as these six and three teams go, here's what's very interesting. The Ravens and the Titans play one another. And you made a point there, Dan, that I think a lot of people would agree with. These are the two most trusted of this group. Dane, how many yes. weeks do we have to go back where you and I both viewed them as, at the minimum, tier two football teams in this conference? Not many weeks. And two, yet, three weeks, maybe. Yeah, one of them right now is the nine. Yep. The Ravens are the seven. And one of them is going to lose next week. And it's not going to feel very good. 
to then move, I mean, six and four is still not anywhere near a quote unquote disaster. Absolutely Three not. Three games up in the NFC is what no. that would be. <laughs> I actually am getting to the point where I wish they'd replace the NFC East, but it's I can't even do that. I'll give you my hot take on the AFC, Kev. I still consider the Tennessee Titans a tier two team. Because for you know, me, that's remember, it's not only record, right? I tell you this all the time, and you. I say it all the time, and uh, you know whether or not how much stock we put into it is whatever, right? I mm-hmm. believe this is about what team is equipped to answer the questions that are posed to them. And when I see those teams, I'll still believe in, say, Tennessee to answer the questions, whereas I don't think the Raiders will. I'll still ride with Tennessee. I still think they are above um, a lot of the other teams in front of them because I think in a game, they are a mm-hmm. much tougher out. I really believe that. That Tennessee is still up there for me. Oh, boy, this defense has me concerned. Very concerned. That's fair. That and is fair. Look, Absolutely. you know, Tanny's my guy. He ain't Russell Wilson, though. All right. We'll talk about this more on the other side of the break because the AFC is tight, and we got to figure this bad boy out. And then we'll look at the bottom of the league, too. Who's taking Trevor? We'll do all that after the news update right here. Come on. Get the edge on Sports Trade. Bomb SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody. Right here to the early line, giving you the edge on SportsGrid. Big shout out to all of our radio listeners around the country, around the globe, quite frankly. So many new ways to go ahead and see and hear us giving you the edge and putting the fun and functional sports content. So thanks for waking up with Kevin and I. Now that week 10 is in the books, Kev, we can again look at the status of the league, the status of the races, right? And in the AFC, it is so interesting, right? Because of all these kind of uh, mix of six or seven win teams that are right there. And Kev, you know, when we talk about like seeding and record, right, and winning bets against the spread, that's one thing. But I'm looking personally at, you know, they want to get to the promised land. They want to be at Raymond James Mm -hmm. Stadium in early February or maybe late February. We'll see about that, right? But And so what I'm looking at is as these teams go through their season. Not necessarily the horse race poll of who's ahead of who and who has more wins, but who do I think is positioning themselves to be the best team on the field, to have what it takes, right, to get all the way through. And that's why when we see things that are critical flaws, the Seattle defense, for example, right, or Baltimore and putting it on the arm of Lamar, right? You'll hear me a Mm -hmm. lot of times say, oh, and if they want to get to the promised land, they're going to have to fix this. And I Mm -hmm. talk about things like, are they equipped to answer all the questions posed their way? And that's because Mm -hmm. I think in the playoffs against good teams who can, you know, stop what you want to do or be Bill Belichick and play you left-handed, whatever the case may be, you have to respond right and so i'm looking for teams that give me confidence that they can do that and so it's hard for me then with the raiders 
or the Dolphins, right? To be like, how are they going to overcome, you know, when they're seeing a good, you know, Chiefs team or what have you? Um, so right. talk to me about Tennessee in that vein, because we talked about the Tennessee offense, right? How Tannehill mm-hmm. and the run game, they can answer the questions. How mm-hmm. big of an issue is the Tennessee defense? I know you think it's a huge issue with a team like Seattle, right? Yeah. Um, can you call the Titans the uh, Seahawks of the AFC? Well, that's the the problem. You know I like Tannehill. Yeah. Uh, hey, not Russ, man. Not okay. Russ. Yeah, but King and that's Henry not... is certainly a lot better than this Carson yes. and that run game that you don't want to give any credence to, right? Yes, correct. Um, here's the reason I think why I am so concerned about the Titans right now. Okay. So we entered that Thursday night game trying to figure out why was this team a home dog to the Indianapolis Colts. And I think ultimately, if we had to push through and define an answer, it was a lack of trust in that defense. And that was very obviously correct. They did not force a single punt until the last drive of the game where the Colts were no longer playing. So basically... They went an entire game without forcing the Phillip Rivers-led Indianapolis Colts to punt the football. That, that is damning. And here's my thing. And I, oh boy, I don't... I'm almost feeling about the Titans' defense the way you feel about the Bears' offense. Now, that's a heavy statement because okay. you I know how you feel about the okay. Bears' offense. But okay. that is what that Colts game did for me. I know we try not to overreact. And I certainly, as I'm saying this, like, hey, you might be overreacting. I know that. But they have now lost three of four. They're going to Baltimore this coming week. I do not like their chances in that game. Huge game. I don't like them in the game. They win. Things are different. The following week, they go to Indianapolis. Now, we know when teams play one another kind of in that proximity it favors the team that lost in the second go around but this now being in indianapolis i know at the minimum they are going to be underdogs in that football game they might win the game they're going to be underdogs in that football game if they lose that game they will have lost five of six now we then have to go through the remainder of the schedule they host the browns they're at jacksonville they host the lions they're at green bay they're at the texans Realistically, they would be favored in all but the Green Bay game. But the rope starts to slip a little bit when you drop 5 of 6. I think that's what's clearly happened to the Chicago yeah. Bears. The rope slipped and they couldn't and they couldn't pull themselves out of it. That's what I'm starting to get worried about with the Tennessee Titans. No, that makes sense, Kev. And 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 I'm going to now use that terminology with the rope slips because that's part mm-hmm. of what I feel sometimes when you look out for five games and say, oh, they're going to be favored in all of them. Well, what happens if yeah. in those first three the rope slips a little bit, right? Because yeah. then that idea of who's favorite or underdog in a game a month and a half away may not mm-hmm. be something to actually worry about at this point, right? Yeah. So with the Seattle Seahawks defense, though, There's amazing Russell Wilson to try to counterbalance that. With the Chicago Bears offense, there's an amazing defense to try to counterbalance that, right? And so we wonder if that Tennessee offense is good enough to counterbalance the fears that you are seeing. I want to ask you one more question about the AFC, though, Kev. Mm -hmm. Um, In what I would call now for me kind of tier two, I'm going to put Pittsburgh and Kansas City kind of a cut above the rest. I would really like to ask you about Buffalo. Indianapolis, 
call it Baltimore mm. as well. That kind of level, because, you know, we talk about the way we view football. I think we are guys who are, you know, we, we go about it in uh, similar yet different ways. And so for me, I'll tell you, and every time I've talked about Buffalo, and you'll see this is consistent with what I just told you, how I, how I view it. Mm. I think the Bills are a great team, but the whammy is that Josh Allen will still make the mistake in the big time. Right. That, I think, is the critical flaw for the Bills. The Colts are more of a like, don't get me wrong. Philip Rivers can make the critical flaw. Right. But they're trying to mitigate that by having him not do too much. These are teams that are built from the inside out. Right. That are going to be physical, that can bring their lunch pail, whatever you want to call it. Who do you trust more, the Bills or the Colts or throw the Ravens in there right now? I'm going to push back a little bit on the on the Rivers thing. I almost okay. wonder if they've come out of the bye saying, you know what, that's right. not how we're supposed to play. Because against the Lions, throwing the football a little bit more, and against the Titans, they're throwing okay. the football a ton. And I wonder if they, you know, they're like, you know, we got a veteran, maybe Hall of Fame quarterback. They're like, we need to let this thing rip a little bit. Jonathan Taylor's terrible. We shouldn't be leaning on the run game as much, which does change the identity for the Colts a little bit. And also Man, in the last two so... weeks, they get T.Y. Hilton and Michael Pittman back. And Pittman looks good, right? I mean, Pittman right, looks real good. So maybe that's part of the calculation, right? We thought we yeah. had this rookie in Jonathan Taylor to ride. Mm-hmm. Instead, right, maybe we are better served by letting Naheem Hines be out there and actually move yeah. the ball in that kind of personnel grouping and throwing it a little bit more because we do have T.Y. We do yeah. have Michael Pittman. We do have multiple tight ends that Phillip Rivers can get with. Yeah, you know, we were talking a little bit with kind of the the tiers with the Ravens and the Bills and and things. And I would say this the Colts more than the Bills right now because I'm worried Josh Allen will make the big mistake, like against, say, Pittsburgh or or, or, uh, Kansas City. Whereas I can Mm -hmm. see the Colts sticking to the script and eking out a physical matchup. You know what I mean? Like for you, when you take those three quarterbacks of Rivers, Josh Allen, and Lamar, your trust level. Interesting. Like, yeah, because my thing is that's exactly why none of them are tier one teams. You've nailed it. But the thing is, when it comes to those defenses, Baltimore for me is one with a bullet. The Colts are two with a bullet and the Bills are dead last. I agree. That's just that's just what we've seen from those teams. So I don't want to call I because I feel bad for Bills fans because they're like, we're always so disrespected. So anytime you go to say anything negative about them, like I feel bad. Oh no! They're I'm not. A, they may be the best team in the AFC, with the exception of the Steelers and right. the, and the Chiefs. Right? Like I think they are the third or fourth best team in the AFC. They are a good team. They are a playoff yeah. team. I think they're going to win their division. Right? They're just mm-hmm. not the true upper echelon Super Bowl contender, and that's okay. Yeah, and I mean it is okay. I, I look at that team schedule. It's there. Look, there's winnable games on there. It's a nice schedule. Look, they're in the playoffs. They host the Steelers. Okay, if they can get that result, I mean, man, yeah. would that be a big boost in this team's cap? I, I just think right now, when I, I tell you this, no game has flipped my perception the way the Thursday night Colts Titans game did. Colts Not game, a single yeah. game all year long has made me go. Okay, I think about these teams entirely differently now. Yeah. And that's always dangerous, but I have to be honest with myself. Like, 
I would have told you the Titans over the Colts a hundred times until I was blue in the face. Right. And maybe the Titans take that next game off of them, Dane. And I go, wow, I should have just stayed calm in, in what I had thought. But right now, do you still feel more confident? In t- you were on Indianapolis. I don't even know which one of those teams you actually like more between the two South contenders. Going into the season, I had the Colts as my division winner. You are correct. Yeah. Going into the season when we were the roster reset, the Colts were I had were the team that I had as the off team in the AFC Championship game, if you remember. I had Chiefs versus yeah. Colts in the AFC Championship game back in the day. And, and yeah, I, I really – that's the toughest one for me, this Colts-Titans race. That's the yeah. – that is the – you know what's funny Titus though. One for me. Why? Because I'm starting to believe that Ryan Tannehill can get the job done for you, and that this is, is part of it. Kev. This is incredible. So you had the Colts win in the division in your roster reset. I had I the Titans. I had the Titans win in the division in the roster reset. And we're advocating for we, the other now. Yeah, right. we played nine <laughs> weeks and everything. I mean, it, is it does funny, go to show how different this AFC is. It, yep, it's that just was a tight one. As we wrap yeah. up here, though, can we throw up the draft order? Because we're talking about all the good teams. Let's look at the bad teams. Remember, Kev, when I said that there was a time there where I thought the Jets were really going to get a little buffer on that number one pick? Remember, Jacksonville was up. Washington was up in these games, right? And I thought we'd get that buffer. But no, the Jets didn't at least uh, lose this week. They've still got it. And the Jacksonville Jaguars have turned to Jake Luton to try to preserve their idea of Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. We turn our attention moving forward to week 11, injuries, waiver wire, when we come back here at the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line where we put the fun and functional sports content. Dane and Kevin burning the candle trying to figure this all out. And Kev, you know... It's interesting because yesterday I went into our Monday kind of, uh, you know, looking back at the week show thinking there weren't a ton of injuries. Like we kind of got through it and it wasn't that bad. But I think it got a lot worse as it kind of evolved in my head. We also saw, obviously, Nick Foles at the end of Monday Night Football. So let's look at, like, the MASH report here and the injury update after Week 10. And honestly, a lot of quarterbacks, Kev. A lot yeah. of quarterbacks are now here on this list. Drew Locke with the ribs. Matty Stafford with his thumb. We know about Breeze. We know about Bridgewater. You can add Nick Foles to this list. And we don't usually do it, but um, Andre Whitworth, the offensive tackle for the Los Angeles Rams, he got carted off. That's a torn ace, uh, MCL. And you saw that was big, right? You know it's a big respected player in the league when even opponents come over and kind of give him a little bit of nap and, like, stay up, man. It'll be okay. And yeah. also, Kev, haven't we talked about this Rams team as being more run-based than you would think, more physical than you would think, the offensive line getting better? That's a big blow for a team that some people are, you know, thinking are getting hot at the right time and are starting to take yeah. seriously. You know, I, 
I, I find it hard to compare, say, an offensive lineman to a Hall of Fame quarterback. Injury, <laughs> but, what, you know, but what sticks out to you on this list? <laughs> See, yeah, I was going to say, I'm like, dang, we're, we are wasting time here. The gap between Breeze and the I rest know. of those names is wild. But um, so go ahead. <laughs> there, there. I mean, look, there, there's some meat there with some of these other guys. But it's if we don't start with Drew, there's a world we don't yeah. get to Drew. We need to talk yeah. about this, okay? Yep. Drew Brees is out. I can't believe how this is going to play out. So the Saints, we all know, last year they lose Drew for six games, give or take. Six. Teddy yeah. wins Teddy every went single five one. And, of them. and then came in and won. Yes. Yeah. Wins every single one of them. So now here we go. There's going to be two schools of thought. They won last year with Teddy. They'll win with Jameis. No problem. Jameis is, is not anywhere near as good as Teddy. They're going to lose a bunch of games. Now, I don't want to be on either side. I would like for a poll to be put up, right, by like, you know, like Quinnipiac can do one of their polls, 80-20 one side, and I'm just going to roll with the 20%, okay? I just want to be fading the public, if you will, on whatever they are assuming is going to happen here with James Winston. But at the end of the day, it'd be nice if I could make my own prediction as to what actually is going to happen here with Jameis at the helm. Right now, they are four-and-a-half-point favorites against the Falcons who are coming off their bye. I am pretty sure the Saints have lost at least one game to the Atlanta Falcons every single year of my life. That could be an exaggeration. It certainly feels that way. No, those divisional they matches, play, it happens, yeah. They play the Falcons this week, then it's at Denver, and then it's the Falcons again in Atlanta. I expect them to lose one of those football games. Beyond that, it's at Philly, it's home versus the Chiefs, home versus everybody's darlings, Minnesota Vikings, and then they finish up with the Panthers. The problem right now, Dane, and I think this is the most important starting point of this conversation, how many games is Drew Brees going to miss? I mean, the updates yesterday, people were like, did this guy get run over by a truck in the middle of the game? I mean, he's got multiple cracked ribs and a collapsed lung. I know Drew Brees is probably like, I could play this week. Three games? Five games? What's the expectation here on Drew's absence? Um, I am not a doctor. I don't even play one on TV. We interviewed Dr. Chow for that. But this sounds, to my novice mind, like Terod Taylor, right? Mm. Punctured lung, collapsed lung, right? Like, not only the ribs, but the lung. Like, the ribs people play with right they get the flap jacket and all that the 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 real thing to me is when we heard lung involved okay that is what makes it more serious to me kevin i heard that before right we heard that when the chargers doctors visited to tarod and tarod i believe right and then obviously there was the herbert overlay and so they were able to be cautious with it let's say but that was four or five weeks in my opinion and so that's what i'm talking about here for drew i think we don't see drew until mid-december yeah and i'll just tell you this uh dan graziano was doing some reporting on the situation they yeah. compared it to tyrod taylor as you oh. just did there and they said the optimistic forecast is two to three weeks. It depends on healing time. And they said, and I think, uh, of course, look, Dr. David Chow is going to give you the absolute best information on this, but it's always interesting to hear what's coming out of New Orleans. They said the realistic hope is that he's back in time for the playoffs. So, there you go. Depending on how much they need, let's say games 16 and 17 or week 16, 17, might yep. depend on whether we see Breeze or not. 
So let's just then. It depends on if the Vikings get hot or not, actually, if we see Drew Brees. Right. I mean, goodness me. I mean, think about it. If there is a threat, they may have to be more aggressive. If they can, like we hear uh, Dr. Child talk about McCaffrey, if they could be cautious until he's 100%, right? I agree with what you're just saying, Kev. Let's, Let's take four weeks off the calendar. Okay. Okay. So instead of going into week 11, we're now going into week 15, right? Yes. I agree with you. I don't know vis-a-vis the Bucks where they'll be, right? Okay. But if they feel comfortable, like, hey, we got a wild card, we'll be all right. Discretion may be the better part of valor. Let's have Drew be ready to go, ready for the playoff game. If the Minnesota Vikings are on their damn heels or anybody else, the Bears, anybody, and it's like we got to get some. And, you know, because that would also mean, Kev, if they're in a spot like that, that would also mean that Jameis Winston did not do what Teddy Bridgewater did last year, Mm -hmm. right? And that would mean the urgency to get him back would be greater if they are, in fact, falling to the point where the playoffs are more of in doubt, right? So that's what it is to me. I do not think we see Drew before... Uh, four weeks, I'm going to call it. Again, I'm not a doctor. And then I think you got to see where the Saints are in playoff position on if they need to be aggressive or conservative with the return of Drew Brees. So the crazy thing is they host the Vikings week 16, right? So it's like, see you then. I do wonder, though, what you're kind of talking about there. Is there a feeling of you know what, you know, having home field advantage in game number one, a bye, being able to just be in the playoffs, like the priority list there versus Drew's ability right. to get 100% right. recovered. Do they want to win I the battle or win the war? Because that's, I don't know if they're just like going to hand the division over to the box. Do you know, like, that's I think there's a no, lot of fair. a lot of juice there. You got to see how Jameis plays, though, too, right? Part of this is For how sure. Jameis plays. Last year, Teddy was winning games, right? We'll see if yes, Jameis absolutely. is eating W's or not. You know what I mean? Let me ask you one other thing about this. Okay. Because there's a wild card involved in this, right? Mm-hmm. Taysom Hill. Oh, God. Yeah, I'm over it. I mean, I've been over it the whole time. What level of snaps does Taysom Hill get as the QB? What? How valid would it be to pick up Taysom Hill as a quarterback in fantasy this week? As a quarterback? I'm out on it. As a tight no, end? I, but I mean, like, as a fantasy quarterback yeah, where you're yeah. getting his production. No, yeah, that's what I'm saying. In the quarterback a, spot. You know, I don't care how he's Yeah, doing so starting him as a fantasy quarterback, I don't think... I don't think there's any world you're you should just start Jameis. Jameis should be available in your league. You should start Jameis. If but I, I, I know at least on FanDuel for DFS purposes, he is a tight end. I remember Buddy's places, name. Yeah. Dane, there was a Steelers running back that took over for Jaylen the injured James was Jalen both. And he was tight yeah, end yep, eligible. As both. And yeah, it was just the absolute most Lynn glorious Bowden thing Jr. of all time. in Miami right now is listed as a running back and wide receiver in some places. Yeah. Going back in the days, Marcus Colston for the Saints was also listed as a tight yeah. end. I hear you. So if you want to play that game thinking that Hill may gain more snaps, more touches because of this, even though not the and you know main technical quarterback, hey, that's yeah. possible. But can I just say right now? Yeah. The Saints are three to one to win the NFC. Packers and Bucks are four to one. They are on their own line right now to win the conference. Also, the NFC South odds. The Saints are minus two twenty favorites. 
The Bucks are at plus 170. If you are going to fade this, the opportunity is there. Dane, you look at these next, let's call it five games, okay? Sure. Yeah. Home versus Atlanta, at Denver, at Atlanta, at Philly, three straight road games, and then come back home for the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm. I think anywhere from three and two and two and three feels fair. Yeah, I just said three in my mind. Yeah, okay. So let's say they take Again, they win through. The idea of though of how Jameis plays can make that one yeah. or can make that five also, right? Like that's right. such an unknown. I know what you're trying to do, and I, I'm with you, Kev, but I yeah. think what we come away from this learning, right, is that Jameis has his chance. We'll see what he does with it. Kev, I can think I, that's something really important. Yeah, last point. Yeah. I'm just curious, as of today, plenty of time to change. Do you think sure. you're taking the four and a half or laying the four and a half with the Falcons in New Orleans off their bye? Give me Atlanta. Give me Atlanta yeah. with the points. What you talked about, division matchups. Anyway, they play mm-hmm. close games. The Saints will take a step back. Raheem Morris has actually been, you know, a revelation again with that team. He's going to get a head coaching job again in the NFL, Raheem Morris. It was like when he had the Bucks. it was like 10 years ago. Okay, I think he's going to be out there in the circuit getting interviewed. I want to make a point here, though, in the fantasy universe. I do my diamonds and fugazis. And, Kev, you also know I tell people I'm not just giving you a fish. I'm teaching you how to fish i want to tell people right now listen if you're like five and five six and four four and six and you need to get into the playoffs kev then go ahead and get salvin ahmed go ahead and get damian harris right like that's cool but for you guys that have been following along and a part of the cypher you are probably seven and three, eight and two, nine and one. The time has come to not worry about that short-term stuff. Don't get Salvin Ahmed because when you need him in the playoffs, Matt Breida will still be there. Miles Gaskin will be there. What it is time to do, though, and I can't believe I'm saying this, Kev, is start to look to playoff defenses. If you think you're mm-hmm. going to get a bye, Kev, then you need to look to week 15 and 16. It's like you can now start hedging the bet, right, Kev? And you couldn't hedge mm-hmm. the bet when you got like four games left to get through, but when you only got one or two, then you can start doing it, right? And I'm raising the flag now that if you think you're going to be in week 15 and 16, here are some defenses to target, Kev. The Ravens, who are third in fantasy points, they get Jacksonville and the Giants, in those two weeks, okay? The Rams get the Jets and the Seahawks. I mentioned the Seahawks. Whoa, that's crazy. But look at what the Rams did to the Seahawks offense just on Sunday. The Bills get the Denver Broncos and the New England Patriots. I make the point, Kev, you may bristle at this, but in week 16, I don't even know if Cam's going to be the starting quarterback for the Patriots anymore. Oh, and then in God. Cleveland, we'll see. We'll see. And then in Cleveland, they get the Jets and the Giants, Okay. Tasty matchups for the Cleveland Browns in the fantasy playoffs. There's other ways to look at this. If these teams are uh, on rosters in your leagues, I want to give you the five worst offenses in football in terms of points per game, right? You want to get a matchup against the Jets, against the Giants. The Bears were that team at 19.8, and that even dropped. Washington at only 20 points a game. The Broncos only 20.7. The Patriots are next worst at only 21. Think about the sacks, Kevin. You know about this. You know about this from your Eagles, right? The Eagles have allowed the most sacks in the NFL. 
followed by Cincy, followed by the Giants, followed by Washington. That's where defenses get points. And then think about the turnovers. Familiar names on this list, Kevin. Here are the teams that have turned the ball over the most in the NFL. The Broncos, Mm. the Cowboys, the Niners, and those Eagles, the Washington football team, the Giants, and those Patriots. You got a lot of consistent offenses there that I think it's time to try to attack and do it now. You can even trade for a defense at this part if you think you're going to be playing in weeks 15 and 16. When we come back, we'll allow Kevin to react to that, and we turn our attention to the NBA where the rumor mill is getting hot. Right here on the other line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody, right here on to the early line. We're giving you the edge, Kev. I tell people I don't like to just give them a fish. I like to teach them how to fish. What do you think about me trying to break out the waiver wire right now in short term and long term, especially if you think you're a championship contender like the stats over beat Cypher? You got to start thinking about these defensive matchups in your playoff weeks. And if you don't have a buy, then two weeks, I think, is enough to do, right? I don't want to hedge for three weeks, but two weeks – I'll get that roster spot locked in now. Yeah, I think it's a great move. I've been rostering the Browns' defense for longer than I should have because no, I can't stuff. help myself. Like I'm, like, I'm not in a position of like, oh, I'll see everybody in the playoffs, but I'm like, I need this Browns' defense. Right, I right, will right. say this as well. It doesn't just have to stop at, oh, let me look ahead to defenses I want to add. Now, it all varies on your stomach for this kind of things, but I'll just tell folks – when I play fantasy, I like to look ahead. I mean, I'm looking at my Week 12 matchups and who I think right, is right, in right. and who I think is out. If you look sure. through your roster and you have a player that is performing well, but you hate the playoff matchups, I believe, Dane, this is the last week you can start you know, messing around with trades. Leagues have different trade deadlines and stuff, but a lot right. of them are happening right around now. And that's why yeah. I'll say I'll trade for a defense even. Yeah. Right. But also... Now is the time where you can push all in. You made this point to me off air a couple of days ago. You're like, listen, stop worrying about the bench. Start figuring out the starting lineup. And the same thing is true for trades. You do a three for one and you land Devontae Adams, right? And on the surface, you might be like, man, I gave up a bunch. Well, how many of those three guys were starting? One of them? Well, guess what? Devontae's now in place of that guy. It's an upgrade over that one dude. Right. Absolutely. Push. You shove in Streamlining season. That's right. Absolutely, Kevin. I like the way you say it. If you believe you are a playoff team, the only priority for you right now is to figure out how to put the best possible lineup out there in week 15 or maybe week 14 for you. And that does take casting aside some of that bench. That does take a renewed focus on lower level positions like the defense. And I got to tell you right now, if you're if you're an Alvin Kamara owner and you don't yet have Latavius Murray, or if you're a Dalvin Cook owner and you don't yet have Alexander Madison, the time is now to sell for 60 cents on the dollar to get that guy as well because you're worried about you putting your best foot forward when you're there in the promised land and forget everybody else because you can get yourself the best. Get those game breakers on your roster now. Streamline. I like it, Kev. Hour number two. We talk NBA buzz when we come back. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.